Our scripture this morning is from 1 Samuel chapter 3, the first 10 verses. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3, or as always, it's printed on the cover of your bulletin. If you would, as you are able, please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up <clears throat> and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated and let us pray. Now, dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So, have you ever gotten a call, you know, one of those calls that just changes everything? Maybe you're young and someone had caught your eye. You hadn't said anything to them, but you were hoping maybe they would say something to you. And one day the phone rings and you answer the phone and there they are. And they ask you out. And you try to stay calm and you try to stay cool. And you say, let me check my calendar. You wait a minute, you say, it looks like I am free. Thank you for asking. Then you hang up the phone and you start dancing around the room because you are so excited that you got that call. Maybe you're working, and you had your eye on a promotion, and the job became available, but you know several people were up for it. You were hoping, you were hoping, and then the boss calls and says, congratulations, the job is yours. And you're so excited because you got that call. Maybe it's a little later in life. You live out of town from your children. And you're waiting on a call, the call that says, good news, the baby is here. 
and everybody is doing well. And you're so excited to get that call. I actually made that call 18 years ago today when our youngest child was born, calling grandparents to say, everybody's okay. You're glad to get that call. Those calls that just change everything. But sometimes things change, calls change things maybe not the way you had planned. I had a friend that while in seminary was serving a church. Now I did that as well, but I did that way before the days of cell phones. I have a friend that was, was in seminary serving a church and he had a cell phone in his pocket in class. It was a class on pastoral care. And the professor was saying, sometimes people come into your office angry in need of counseling, in need of pastoral care. And they might say things that you shouldn't say in a preacher's office, but you need to stay calm, don't react, let them vent, don't look shocked by their language. And to make his point, my friend said, the professor started uttering profanities so they could get over the shock of it all. At that moment, his phone rang. He thought it was silence, but it was not. So you know what happens if you've ever been in a place when your phone went off and it wasn't supposed to go off. He's embarrassed and he's fumbling and he pulls out his phone, trying to ignore the call so it will stop ringing. And he notices that the caller is a sweet little lady from his church. But rather than hitting ignore, he hits the thing next to it, which was answer. So he answers the phone and the sweet little lady hears language coming from her preacher's phone that she did not expect to hear coming from her preacher's phone. And he was still so nervous, he just wanted to stop everything, so he finally disconnected it. So now she knows, her preacher answered the phone, she hears all this profanity, and then he hangs up on her. So after class, he calls her and he says, listen, I am so sorry about that, all of that, but there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for what happened. And, well, he moved the next June, but I'm sure that was just a coincidence. But sometimes you get a call that changes everything. Then there are those calls from God. By definition, they change everything. By definition, right, they are game changers. Adam is in the garden, and God calls and says, Adam, Adam, where are you? Life is about to change for Adam. Moses is tending sheep out in the country. He looks over and he sees this bush burning up and he hears the voice of God calling to him from a burning bush. Now that'll get your attention, right? That's a game changer. And then there's Samuel. Allison mentioned a little bit of Samuel's story. His mother, Hannah, desperately wanted a child. Went to the temple one day and prayed to God cried tears to God and said, Oh Lord, if only you would give me a son. And Hannah made a promise that if God would give her a son, then she would return that son to the temple for the service of the Lord. Well, God heard and God answered her prayer. And Hannah kept her promise. She brings the boy Samuel when he is of age back to the temple where he will live and serve the Lord. He is responsible to Eli, the old priest. 
And so that's what, where we are in chapter 3. Where the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And the young boy Samuel has gone to bed. Eli has gone to bed. And Samuel hears his name. Samuel. Samuel. He does what anybody would have done. He goes to Eli and says, yes sir, what can I do for you? Eli says, well you, first of all you can let me go back to sleep. I didn't call you. He says, okay. It happens again with the same result. Now, don't be too hard on Eli. Remember, the word of the Lord was rare. It didn't dawn on him. Not only would God speak, but God would speak to a boy. But by the third time, Eli realizes what's happening. By the third time, he says to Samuel, go back. And if you hear the voice again, say this. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that is exactly what happens. God calls Samuel. The call came from God. But the encouragement, the nurture of that call, came from Eli. And it still works that same way, right? Calls come from God. But they are nurtured by the community of faith. I was called to be a Methodist preacher. That call came from God but was nurtured by a community of faith. I'll say more about that in, in a minute. But this morning, as we begin this new year together, I want us to think about the call of God on your life and mine. As we read this story of God calling Samuel, I want us to think about how God calls us. Most important thing I want to say is that I do believe God has a call on the life of every Christian. Everybody who said, yes, I will follow Jesus. God has a call on your life and mine. Maybe it's a call to a profession, a vocation. Again, I was called to this. Some people mistakenly think the only job to which God calls people is to preach. But that's not true. God calls people to a wide variety of professions. My wife was called to be a musician as much as I was called to be a pastor. We have other people here who were called to be musicians. Some people are called to be bankers, nurses, secretaries, mechanics. If you happen to be in a job and you know this is what God called you to, you know what a blessing that is. I have a dear friend who just retired, actually, from being a policeman. And as long as I've known him, he has always said, this is what God called me to do. He loved his work because God had called him to do that. So God calls us to professions, to vocations. But more than that, in addition to that, God calls each of us to areas of ministry. Each of us to tasks where we have an opportunity to be in service to the kingdom. Maybe God has called you to sing in the choir. Maybe God has called you to teach a Sunday school class. Maybe God has called you to invest time in shut-ins. God has a call for each and every one of us that has agreed to follow Jesus. One of the people who taught me that lesson was a lady named Annie Hickey. When I met Annie Hickey, I was 24 years old. I was a young preacher. She was 83. 
She was a young at heart parishioner. Uh, I will never forget my first visit to her house. She lived three doors down the street from the church. I could walk and often did. First day I went to see her, knocked on the door. She opened the door with this big smile. She said, oh, I'm so glad to see you. I always love it when my preacher comes. She invited me in, offered me a seat, and served me a glass of very, 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 very sweet tea, which is how she made her tea. And we sat and we visited, and she told me about her life. She had been married almost 60 years to this fellow who was in the army. She called him Sarge. I, I never knew what his name was. She always called him Sarge or Sergeant. And she talked about their life, and I said, it sounds like you had a wonderful life together. And she said, we did, most of the time. She said, we had our challenges, we had our hard times, we didn't always get along. I said, really? She said, oh, yes. Yeah. She said, there are times it was not pretty between us. I said, well, I, I guess that happens. And she said, well, she, yeah, she said, sometimes it was so bad people would say, did you ever think about divorce? I said, well, she said, I always told people, never, I never once thought about divorce. Murder, I contemplated quite a bit, <laughs> but never divorce. That was my first visit. I'll also never forget my most important visit to her. It was March of 1993. Do you remember March of 1993? That was what we now call the blizzard of 93, right? It was kind of like the blizzard of this weekend, except there was snow, all right? <laughs> 19 inches, if memory serves, we woke up to 19 inches of snow with a 10-week-old baby. Our oldest, who turned 24 last week, uh, was 10 weeks old at the time. And we lived in a church parsonage, and it was all electric, and the power was out. So a 10-week-old baby, no heat. Quickly, we had to decide, what are we going to do? Well, I knew Annie Hickey had gas heat. We lived kind of behind the church up a hill, so I marched down through the snow <clears throat> to the street below, down the street, those three doors, and knocked once again on Annie Hickey's door and said, Susan's at the house with a baby. We have no heat. And she said, honey, you go get that baby, and you all come, and you stay with me till you get heat back. And that's exactly what we did. Four days until he got back. Uh, she was the epitome of hospitality. Just the sweetest person welcomed us into her home as part of her family. And we were there for four days. She didn't have electricity either, but she did have heat. Uh, so we were able to spend that time together. Annie Hickey taught me <clears throat> that there are all kinds of things God calls us to do. Because in addition to having a great sense of humor and having this marvelous spirit of hospitality, she was a quilter. <clears throat> Excuse me. We still have a quilt uh, that she quilted for us. She, she told me early on, she said, I've made a quilt for every preacher. But it wasn't just preachers. She made quilts for all kinds of people. Friends, neighbors, strangers. People would say, so-and-so is going through a tough time, and she would make them a quilt. She and her daughter would spend the better part of a day quilting. And she would say, God called me to make quilts for people. And so that's what I do. She, from the depths of her heart, believed that was God's call on her life. And you would not argue with her, trust me. At least you wouldn't win. She believed God called her to do that. God has a call for each of us. Maybe you're called to work with youth. 
or children or flowers or there are all kinds of things God might call you to do. But God has a call on each and every one of our lives in the same way that God had a call on Samuel's life. Now, as I say this, I know that some of you are wanting to nod in agreement and say, well, of course, because you know what God has called you to do. Others of you might be wanting to shake your head, saying, well, God's never called me to do anything. But I'm going to challenge you. Paul said that God gives each of us gifts for ministry and calls us to equip the saints. Each of us has a call. So spend some time asking what God is calling you, praying about what God is calling you to do, where God is calling you to serve. Ask yourself, ask God, what are the skills you have? What are the talents, the abilities you have? Look around you. What are the needs around you? Where do your skills and the needs around you intersect? You might find there what God is calling you to do. But I do believe, and the most important thing I want to say, is that God has a call on each and every one of our lives. Now, I also want to mention, while we're talking about God's call, God does call some of us to a particular ministry to the ordained ministry. Allison, Carolyn, and I, I saw Bob Partridge, there's Bob out there, uh, called into the ministry in the United Methodist Church. Like I said about Samuel, the call comes from God, but it's nurtured in a community of faith. I was 15 years old when I first felt God calling me to do this. I was doing exactly what you're doing now, at least what I hope you're doing now. I was in church, paying attention to the preacher, all right? I was listening to the preacher at my home church preach, and out of nowhere, I had this sense that God was saying to me, it wasn't an audible voice, it was all in my spirit, all internal. I had this overwhelming sense that God was saying to me, this is what I want you to do. Well, at 15, I wasn't quite sure what to do with that. So I just kept it quiet. Never said a word, or not never, for a while didn't say a word to anybody. That June, our preacher moved, went to Buford, Georgia. Now, he had a daughter about my age that was in youth group with us, and a group of us were talking after they moved and said, we need to just drive up there one Sunday morning and surprise them. And so we did. One Sunday that fall, we all drove to Buford and showed up in church. Well, the preacher came out, and he's welcoming people. We're glad to have you. And he sees this pew of youth. Uh, from his former church, and so he announces that we're there, and he goes down the pew one at a time and introduces each of us by name to his congregation. And when he gets to me, he says, and David Campbell, and I won't be surprised if, David, if God calls David to preach. I had not said a word to anybody. He announces that in church. No pressure there, Right? They invited us to stay for lunch, and I said, Mac, why did you say that? And he said, because it's true, with this big grin. He said, because it's true, I won't be surprised at all if God calls you to preach. And that opened the door for me to say to him, well, funny you should say that. And we talked about it and prayed about it. And he encouraged me to go home and share it with people in my home church, and I did. And they prayed with me, and they helped nurture that call. 
And at 15, I was young and I had some time to do some things. <clears throat> I looked at other possibilities. Is there anything else that I think I might want to do as much as I want to do this? No. I looked at other denominations. I wanted to make sure that if I was going to be a Methodist, I was a Methodist because that's where I needed to be, not because that's where my mom and daddy was. And it was. And so I went through the process, and Carolyn and Allison, we can tell you, it's a long process to be ordained as an elder in the Methodist church. But to do what God calls you to do, to spend every day being where God has called you to be, there, it's just joy. I tell folks all the time, I've hardly worked a day in my life because it never seems like work. I just am blessed to love what I do because the call that came from God was nurtured by the community of faith around me. So I tell you that to say, you don't have to be 15. You can be 25, 35, 45, 55. If, you're, if you have any sense at all that God might be calling you into ordained ministry, I did want to take the opportunity this morning to say, I'd love to talk to you. Allison or Carolyn would love to talk to you. To help you discern, is this where God is calling you? And if so, to help nurture that call. People did that for us. And it's an honor to do that for others. So I will put that out there. If anybody has been, heard that same voice, I did, we did. Uh, let us know. We'd love to pray about you. Pray, pray with you. But regardless, God calls, has a call on each of us. God called Samuel. Jesus called 12 disciples. Come follow me. God called Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. And lives were changed when they got that call. God has a call for you as God has a call for me. Maybe you know for sure what that is for you. If not, even if so, let me give you just some questions to think about and pray about. We talk so much here about connecting with God's kingdom now, right? Now being an acronym for Nurture, Outreach, and Worship. Pray about questions like this. How is God calling you to have your faith nurtured? The end of now is nurture. How is God calling you to have your faith nurtured? And don't even try to tell me, oh, God's not calling me to have my faith nurtured. You know God is calling you to make sure that your faith is nurtured. How is God wanting you to do that? How does God want you to help nurture the faith of others? How is God calling you to be involved in outreach? Maybe it is something very specific. Maggie was called to go back to El Salvador. Maybe it's just to be available and to say yes. When we say we need help with summer lunch, you're going to say, well, I can do that. So I will. When we say we need help here, you may say, well, I can do that. So I will. Where is God calling you to be involved in reaching out with the gospel? In terms of mission, but also in terms of evangelism. Where is God calling you to reach out with the good news of Christ Jesus? Who is that neighbor, that coworker, maybe even that relative that needs to hear the good news that God in Christ loves them with a love that will never let them go? And maybe you are the one who has the relationship with them that can say that. Or maybe you can plant a seed that others will build on and nurture until it comes to fruition. 
Who are those people in your life that you need to reach out to and let them know what God has done in your life and what God can do through Christ in theirs? Where is God calling you to strengthen your life of worship? Not just an hour a week, although this is an important component of it, but worship is our love for God in Christ in all we do, day by day, not just an hour a week, but as a way we live our life to express our love for God in Christ. How is God calling you to strengthen your life of worship? God called Samuel. God calls me. God calls you. We are all still Samuels. It doesn't matter whether you're 15, 55, or 105. God still has a call on your life. Annie Hickey eventually reached an age and had a stage of arthritis where she could no longer quilt. I thought, this is going to be so hard for her. She's done this for so long, God called her to do this. We were talking about it one day, and I said, I, I know this has got to be hard. And she smiled at me, and she said, honey, life comes in seasons. For season I was got called to quilt, that season is done. God still calls me to pray for people, and I can still do that with arthritis. God didn't stop calling her because she got arthritis, because she could no longer quilt. She knew at whatever age she was, God still called on her to be active in her faith and to find ways to be in ministry. doesn't matter how old or how young or in between we are. We are all still Samuel. God is still calling you and me. Are we ready to listen? Let us pray. Gracious God, give us ears to hear your voice. Give us hearts to obey your call. As we seek to be the sons and daughters, you are calling us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.